Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Was there ever a time where you thought, why do bad things happen to good people? Ginawa mo naman ang lahat. Ginawa mo kung ano ang tama. Pero in the end, ikaw ang nasaktan. Ikaw pa ang napahamak. Just like Job from the Bible, di ba? He was healthy, wealthy, had a happy family, and faith in God. But Satan challenged God, saying Job's faith was because he was so blessed. To settle this, Job suffered, but his faith endured, and eventually, through it, he recovered more than he had lost. Hindi siguro ito ang inisip ng mga magulang ni Jovito Salonga when they were naming him, but Salonga himself would draw comparisons throughout his life, which was filled with struggle and suffering. Impoverished from birth, jailed by the Japanese for disseminating news, tortured and subjected to hard labor. Decades later, he would be imprisoned once more, this time by his fellow Filipino, Ferdinand Marcos. And of course, who can forget how Jovi fought for his life after his body was mangled by a bombing at Plaza Miranda? He'd sustained so many injuries. He needed to be attended by a horde of doctors. But what got him through it all? Kilala natin ang ating mga leader, reformer, at innovator para sa mga nagawa nila. Pero, bago ang lahat, sino nga ba sila? Sa episode na ito, kilalanin natin si Jovito Salonga. Isang lawmaker, a defender of democracy, and a politician who truly loved his country. Bago ang lahat, isang podcast ng Youth Leadership for Democracy, or Youth-led, which is a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development. Powered by Puma Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Ventura, and today I'm joined by my co-host... Hi, I'm Ina Morales, a government worker and aspiring development practitioner. Hi, Ina! Hi, Kat! Okay, Ina, ang, anong alam mo tungkol kay Senator Jovita Salonga before? Ang alam ko lang, isa siya sa mga leader na tumutol kay Ferdinand Marcos from the Declaration of Martial Law in the 70s hanggang sa EDSA People Power Revolution in 1986. Ikaw ba, Kat? I think more than the fact that I admire him for his brilliance, he was just a genuinely good person and he upheld the morality and the standards in the Senate and, you know, in Congress. So, yeah. But now we are actually armed with his autobiography, 
A Journey of Struggle and Hope. So we'll be able to tell his story through his own words. To give life to draw these stories from the book, we have my colleague at Puma Podcast. Hi, I'm Nico Bolante. Each time you'll hear my voice in this podcast, that's me quoting Senator Salonga from his memoir. Thanks, Nico. And we also have another guest with us. I'm Esteban B. Salonga. I'm the son of Pobito Reyes Salonga. Happy to have you with us, sir. So, Jovito Salonga was born in 1920 in a remote barrio in Pasig. May mga barrio pa sa Pasig nun. I do recall how poor we were. We often had a yungin or small fish for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Nanay would buy these from fishermen at the ilog nearby. One could have plenty of fish for 5 to 10 centavos. Ang nanay niyang si Berlardina, tindera ng retaso at damit sa palengke. Maalaga at madasalin siya. Ang asawa nitong si Esteban ay isang Presbyterian minister na nakadepende lang sa mga donasyon sa simbahan. Si Jovi ang bunso sa limang magkakapatid. Tawag nga niya sa sarili niya ang paboritong utusan. My mother accompanied me to the Central Elementary School in Pasig for my first day in school. And I was the only one among my schoolmates who came barefooted. It would take me more than an hour often in the company of Ka David, my elder brother, to walk several kilometers from our little house made of bamboo, wood, and nipa, to make it to the central every day. Rainy days were particularly difficult for me. Even white banana leaves which I would use to shield me from the rain were not much benefit. My teachers must have noticed how thoroughly drenched I used to appear, especially when I was late. Jovi excelled in reading and spelling in grade school. In high school, his typewriter was his constant companion. He would type letters and compositions for his classmates. Jovi devoured Tagalog poems, magazines, and novels. Jovi's grandmother would also often ask him to read the Bible to her, very Lola. It was her influence, along with that of his parents, that laid the foundation of his faith. Pununang music ang Salonga home, and the family would sing church hymns and perform classical pieces from abroad. Mahilig din sila sa kundiman. During the long summer vacations, Nanay would wake us up at early dawn, give us a cup of salabat, lead in the prayers, and send us to the rice fields behind our house so we could pull out grass for horse feed. When the sun was up, We would stop and eat a simple breakfast. Mother would sell the horse feed so we could have our baon when schooling resumed. Puno ng chores ang mga araw nila. Pero paghapon at gabi, they would play softball, patintero, and taguan. Walang laruan si Jovi, and decades later, he would still remember how much he envied his playmate who was given a bike by his parents one Christmas. Madalas nilang pinag-uusapan ng politika sa bahay. They listened to the news through a radio and read Tagalog and English newspapers. But there was one incident in particular that sparked Jovi's ambition. The problem of peace and order is intimately related to the unemployment situation. We must create more jobs. We must assure workers 
reasonable wages and better working conditions. It was seeing then House Speaker Manuel Rojas deliver a speech in their town. My father and my brother said he was a brilliant lawyer. I then decided I would take up law and perhaps enter politics. In 1936, he took up pre-law at the University of the Philippines. As you can probably tell, Jovi had a way with words. He kept developing the skill when, as a student at the UP College of Law, he won medals in debating and oratorical contests. Ilang buwan na lang sana at kagraduate na si Jovi sa law school on the morning of December 8, 1941, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Surely, he thought, the Americans would retaliate and pulverize Japan. Baka a few days lang na walang pasok tapos balik normal na ulit. But within hours, the Japanese attacked American military bases around the Philippines. In less than a month, on January 2, 1942, the Japanese occupied Manila. They took over the media and reported only positive news. Walang balita tungkol sa mga pangaabuso. Martial law was imposed. Pwedeng-pwedeng arestuhin at ikulong ang mga tao. He had a helicopter radio that had shortwave. He was listening to Voice of America and Radio Free Asia, which was a CIA radio station. And because even though we were never elected, we were people who were always interested in politics. So people tend to come by the house and pass again. Ask, oh, anong balita? And then somebody said, pakisulat mo naman na madala dun sa mga guerrilla sa tanay. So he started putting it on a stencil and running our home mimeograph machine. People started to bring them up to the mountain. And eventually, copies of these were found by Japanese intelligence. They were traced back to my dad. And one night, they just came and picked him up. Jovi would be sent from one jail to the next. But it was actually in the new Bilibid prison in Muntinlupa that Jovi would make important lifelong connections. He met Chinese-Filipino business leaders there, including the father of Washington, Sisip, whom we talked about in the first episode of this podcast. Albino Sisip would be like a father to Jovi. Tinuruan siya ni Jovi na magtagalog at naging worship leader din si Jovi Something that was quite unusual for him because while his father, my grandfather, was a pastor, he didn't think he was ever going to be anything like his father either. But when they got there and everybody needed prayer, he spontaneously stepped up to the calling. Sa Foundation Day ng Japan sa susunod na taon, Joey would be among the prisoners released according to tradition. Attorney Steve, ano yung mga natutunan niya from his time in prison? That the Japanese are no better, and that any oppressor is no good, and that if we will really want to become the Philippines that we think we are, then we have to do it on our own. Independence is taken, and it's defended, not something that is a gift from the gods. Naganda si Jovi para sa bar exams ng August 1944. I observed a strict regimen, enough time for study, for physical exercise, 
and for prayers and meditation. After a year of imprisonment, my capacity for concentration and retention had become exceptional. Again, when you hear that voice, ibig sabihin kinukot namin mismo si Senator Salonga. By September 1944, American planes had appeared and were bombing Japanese installations in Manila. While Juvie was cheering them on, life in the capital would become risky. There were mass arrests and executions, and the family moved to Taytay. My good news after a month, though, Juvie had topped the bar, tying with Jose Jocno, who would be his fellow freedom fighter later on. Nagsimula ang battle for Manila noong February 1945. The family decided to head back to Manila from Taytay. As they walked, American planes flew overhead. Later, they would learn that the home they stayed at had been hit by artillery shelling. Their family friend had been killed. But at least, the Salonga family had emerged from World War II intact. Jovi would begin practicing law. Pero nahihiya siyang mangolekta ng bayad. So, happy na siyang makatanggap ng manok, itlog, at prutas. Tinuloy ni Jovi ang pag-aaral niya sa States. Pero mahalaga rin ang mismong biyahe niya papunta doon. On the boat, he met Lydia Busuego, who was headed to Washington, D.C. They got to know each other during the trip and would write letters to each other while Jovi was studying. Sa Harvard Law School, sinabihan siya na mukha raw siyang high school kid and that he was probably not gonna pass the course. But he obtained his Master of Laws and he and Lydia, yung babae na nakilala niya sa boat on the way to the States, got married on Valentine's Day, 1948. Grabe yung timing. Oo nga, tinaon talaga niya. But here's the thing, as if Harvard was not enough, nakakuha siya ng fellowship sa Yale. But this law school was more hospitable to foreigners. And it was here that he would learn that a lawyer should think in terms of policies that would best serve the interests of the nation. By 1949, Jovi would be reunited with his family in Manila. He now had a son, Steve. Two years after his return in Manila, Jovi became involved in politics when he helped his Kuya Isayas campaign for a seat in Congress. Isayas won. Pero pagdating ng 1953, naging sakitin si Isayas. Inalok si Jovi na tumakbo, pero kailangan muna niyang panalunin ang nomination sa Nationalista Party District Convention. Jovi was proclaimed the official candidate of the NP for congressman in the 2nd District of Rizal. At that time, part pa ng Rizal kasi ang Pasig. Pero hindi tatagal si Jovi bilang kandidato. Basically, he was replaced because of a new coalition formed between the NP and the newly organized Democratic Party. NP officials told him, ganyan talaga ang politika. 33 years old lang siya nun. So nag-concentrate na lang siya sa teaching and sa kanyang law practice. By 1960, kumakatok na yung mga liberal party leaders sa kanya. Jovi said yes to being their candidate in the 2nd District of Rizal. He would be up against two well-known political dynasties, ang mga Sumulong at Rodriguez. The same dynasties that had collaborated in 1953 were now fighting each other. Attorney Steve, naaalala niyo pa ba yung panahon na to? 
I remember it vividly. We have a very quiet home life until this thing happened. And my mother said, I thought we were over this in 1953. And then when every morning at breakfast, instead of having a quiet breakfast, there'd be a bunch of people who arrive in one jeep, maybe 12, 15 people. They want to have a meeting with a congressman Salonga. They call him congressman when he's a candidate. And my mother would have to rush to the kitchen, prepare breakfast for 20 people. And so this, after a week or so, this is quite a bit of pressure. It came to a head where they were shouting at each other. So when my dad left one morning, she picked me up and said, come on, we'll go to Tatay, to her father, my grandfather. And then my dad came in the evening looking for her because she wasn't home. And they sat down with my tatai. And he spoke to both of them. I wasn't allowed to be in the room. I had to be outside. So. And then my grandfather gave my mom a good talking to at dinner while we were having dinner. Basically telling her, it's your duty. And it is your husband's destiny. Midway through the campaign, you more or less know kung mananalo ka na. Yung tawag nila yung init ng salubong sa'yo. Yung kagandahan doob ng mga malalaking tao dun sa bayan na yun. Kung paano kang tinanggap, di ba? So I'll tell you, for my dad, he thought he deserved it. I don't think it was too great a surprise. I think what was more overwhelming was his lead. Congressman Salonga won with over 46,000 votes. He got 10,000 more votes than the Sumulong candidate and almost 20,000 more votes than the Rodriguez candidate. The neophyte lawmaker, in what would be a foreshadowing of his future, would become chair of the powerful Committee on Good Government. The congressman would author the state scholarships law for poor but deserving students and the Magna Carta for public school teachers. But I just wanted to point out, this is a very interesting fact, no? Like, Jovito Salonga really paid it forward. He came from a public school himself, and I love that one of the things he did was this state scholarships law for the poor. Pero bukod doon, he was also bothered by congressional allowances beyond the stated salary. And he resolved this by donating all of it to a scholarship program for poor but talented students in his district. By 1965, he would become one of LP's candidates for the Senate. At the same time, NP's candidate for president, Ferdinand Marcos, was campaigning with the slogan, This nation shall be great again. NP's candidate would win president, but the candidate of the opposing party, LP, would top the senatorial race. By the late 1960s, Senator Salonga would receive a confidential letter from a friend and Philippine consular officer in New York. It would contain a statement from a bank there that showed Marcos had deposited around $600,000. Grabe ang laki nun. But Jovi was advised not to divulge it yet until there was evidence of more deposits. By 1969, Marcos was re-elected in what foreign media described as the dirtiest, most violent, and most corrupt election in modern Filipino history. There were fake ballots, fake election returns, and incredible acts of terrorism undertaken by private armies of Marcos affiliates and the Philippine Constabulary. 
Jovi would handle a number of election cases in various provinces. Student demonstrations became common, and Marcos warned that he would declare martial law. By 1971, LP's campaign slogan had become, Ibagsak ang mga tuta ni Marcos. Ibangon ang dangal ng bayan. Jovi agreed to run again at the request of the LP president, Senator Jerry Rojas. Their goal was to keep democracy alive. In these Plaza Miranda appearances, Dad normally would go to them quite late because he was always scheduled just before Ninoy. It would always be my dad first and next to last and Ninoy last. And so we don't normally leave the house until around 11. That night, I was taking a shower around 9 and he knocks and he says, Oh, mauna na ako ha. Sabi ko, bakit? Maaga daw kami. Tumawag si Jerry. Sabi ko, sige, susunod na lang ako. And around 10, just before the explosion, I left the house. I was on Quezon Bridge overlooking Plaza Miranda when the explosion occurred. I had to make up my mind whether I was going to leave the car and run to Plaza Miranda. And I saw the traffic wasn't moving anyway, so I did. When I got there, it was already pandemonium. And I was told by one of the security of Bagat Singh, Ang tatay mo, dinala na. Sa aming hospital, dinala. Sa doctors daw, sa Manila doctor. I started running to Manila doctors, which is about what, five blocks away from And then I arrived there. He wasn't there. Across the street was Medical Center Manila. And he was there. And pretty soon, Ninoy arrived. I brought him up to the operating room. And then he insisted on in coming in. He wanted to see my dad. Came out and then he was saying, Malabo na yata. Grabe ha. Sabi ko, oh my. We didn't actually begin to look back at this until about maybe two weeks later. We were just, my mother and I were just living in the moment. We had a hospital room next to his that we leased and that we slept there. We had another room where the security guards were bunked. We felt beleaguered because we didn't know who had attacked us. And we didn't know if they were going to keep attacking until he was dead. We didn't know. In my dad's book, he wasn't conscious. On that that he's writing, that's us telling him what we were doing because he wasn't conscious. Didn't gain consciousness for another week. And here's what Senator Salonga recalled of the event. Remember, the LP candidates were on stage at Plaza Miranda addressing the crowd. Jovi was waiting for his turn. But before we could speak, two Vietnam-type fragmentation grenades were hurled at us by unknown persons during the fireworks display. I felt a very heavy blow in my chest and could only mumble the words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, thy will be done. Senator Salonga's driver brought him to the hospital, more dead than alive. There were Pools of blood, extensive injuries, burnt areas, and his left eye had bulged out. His left leg was shattered, and a large piece of bone protruded from the wound. One of his fingers had been severed, and a piece of shrapnel 
landed near his heart. Quote, just one millimeter short of instant death. End quote. You know, he took the physical disability quite well. He didn't mourn the loss of an eye or mourn the loss of hearing or even the loss of mobility. He was just so grateful to be alive, that one. Number two, he was grateful that he could still think. I think what really changed for him is his perspective. I think for a while, until he became senator, to him, public office was a, an achievement, a goal. And I think what he was really looking at when he, this happened was, he, he told me, is it a sign from God that you should get out of this politics because it is so violent and so unjust? Or is it a sign that despite the violence and the injustice, that you should persist? I treasured those times because he was open, he was vulnerable, he shared his doubts, he shared his suspicions about his own decision. And I really saw the fruit of it one day when it was time to decide kung mangangampanya ka pa. He could have just withdrawn. Instead, he got ready for his scheduled appearance on ABS-CBN. During that meeting the Avance, with his fellow injured colleagues, Senator Salonga would deliver his speech sitting in a wheelchair. Ang buhay kong ito ay hindi na aking sarili. Ito ay hiram na buhay na lamang. Isang buhay na ipinagkatiwala lamang sa akin ng Diyos. At sapagkat ito'y hiram lamang at ako'y katiwala niya, itatalaga ko ang natitira kong panahon at lakas sa ngalan ng isang malinis at tapat na paglilingkod sa Diyos, sa kapwa-tao, at sa bayan. And when he won and topped the senator in the elections of 71, I don't think any person would have denied that that was a word from God. By December 1971, four months after Plaza Miranda, he learned to walk once more. He would sing the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, each time he'd get up from his wheelchair a few seconds at a time. By January the following year, he was back in the Senate. Martial law was declared on September 21, 1972. Dinoy and others were immediately arrested. Senator Salonga quickly filed a petition for habeas corpus before the Supreme Court. He would criticize the imposition of martial law and handle the cases of many political prisoners and human rights victims. He would aid in the release of almost a hundred detainees. Jovi decided not to run in 1978. Instead, he helped LP as one of the party leaders under the banner Laban. And just like in the Japanese occupation, Jovi and Laban put out periodicals called Malayang Pilipinas at a time when the government controlled the media. Marcos announced that Imelda and her teammates had won the elections by a landslide. A day later, opposition leaders marched from Quezon City to Manila but were immediately picked up by the police. By early 1980, Ninoy had been released after almost eight years in prison to undergo 
heart bypass surgery in the U.S. Remember, his fate was entwined with Jovi's. Jovi had been Ninoy's lawyer since 1967. Months after Ninoy was freed, explosions would rock a number of establishments in Metro Manila. Victor Lovely, supposedly the head of a terror group responsible for them, was arrested. Photos of Victor Lovely with Salonga at a party surfaced. Jovi knew he was in trouble and that Marcos would fabricate evidence against him. Two months later, another bomb exploded, this time at the PICC, where Marcos was delivering a speech. Victor Lovely confessed that Jovi, Ninoy, and others were involved. And because of that, by October 1980, Salonga found himself behind bars yet again. It was almost 40 years since he was last imprisoned by the Japanese for disseminating news against the invaders. Obviously, hindi na siya bata. He was suffering from asthma, not to mention the lingering effects of the Plaza Miranda bombing, not 10 years prior. Buti na lang, pinayagan si Lydia, ang asawa ni Jovi, na samahan at alagaan siya. They were in the same prison cell where Ninoy had been confined. Friends in the Philippines and abroad, including various religious groups, lobbied for Jovi's release. Marcos ordered him freed a month later, but placed him under house arrest. In 1981, pinayagan si Jovi na umatend ng mga church conferences abroad. He was also allowed to undergo medical examinations for the injuries brought by the Plaza Miranda incident. Kasama si Lydia, lumipad sila patungong Hong Kong. As soon as the plane was aloft, they had a taste of freedom once more. A judge would rule that Salonga was indeed a conspirator in the Manila bombings and that he and others had been plotting the violent overthrow of Marcos. Years later, the Supreme Court would clear his name. Nagdesisyon sila Jovi at Lydia na tumira muna sa U.S. And on August 21, 1983, Ninoy was assassinated. Sa isang memorial service sa Boston, sinamahan ni na Jovi at Lydia si Cory. Ang byuda ni Ninoy. Bumalik ang mga salonga sa Pilipinas noong 1985. Jovi focused all his time and energy on the opposition. He jumped from one speaking engagement after the other. Unlike before, organizations were no longer afraid of inviting Marcos critics. There was a feeling that things were coming to a head and that the dictator, reportedly afflicted by lupus, would not last very long. The economy was in bad shape, and there was a general sense that the regime would collapse very soon. Now Liberal Party President, he and his colleagues planned for a provisional government. To start, they would restore human rights and civil liberties. Marcos announced that snap elections would be held the next year, and Cory was urged to run for president. On election day on February 7, 1986, Pinalabas ng Marcos-controlled media na siya yung nananalo. Kabalik to ng Independent Count of NAMFREL, or the National Movement for Free Elections. Computer experts who were tabulating the votes walked out of the Comelec building, declaring that Marcos was rigging the count. By the end of the month, millions of Filipinos would gather in EDSA, 
and in cities all over the country. They would overthrow the dictator in a bloodless revolt. You disperse the crowd without shooting them. Corazon Cojuanco Aquino would take her oath as president. I, Corazon Cojuanco Aquino, Corazon Cojuanco Aquino, do solemnly swear. And the Marcos family would flee. Fulfill my duty. Let's listen to Senator Salonga himself reflecting on these moments. In our history as a nation, our best years were when we took our destiny in our own hands and faced the uncertain future with boldness and hope and faith. Those were the times when Filipinos experienced a sense of national renewal and self-respect. The revolution of 1896, the battle for the liberation of the Philippines from 1942 to 1945, the struggle for freedom during the darkest years of martial law and dictatorship, culminating in the mountain peak experience of EDSA in February 1986. How can we ever, ever forget these high moments in the life of this nation? President Aquino appointed Jovi chair of the Presidential Commission on Good Government, or PCGG. It was an initiative that came from my father because he thought justice required compensation for what they had stolen. Unfortunately, it seemed in the beginning that we were the only one with this kind of an agenda, mainly because many of the people in the government that was going to be taking over were a residue from the previous government and who, in his right mind, would say, that after 14 years of martial law, hindi ka nakinabang kay Marcos kahit papano. Pero ano nga ba ang accomplishments ng PCGG pagdating sa pag-recover ng ill-gotten wealth ng Marcoses? Go to the website of PCGG. It's in the billions, and it's all in land bank, and it's all being used for agrarian reform. Almost 10 years after the EDSA revolution, ito ang sasabihin ni Jovi sa mga UP law graduates. There are certain fundamental questions of right and wrong, including the crucial question of responsibility for the plunder of the nation's wealth that must be resolved by our people, no matter how long and how much it takes. After the PCGG, Salonga again ran for senator where he received the most votes from the Filipino people, just like he did in the previous times he ran for office. His peers chose him to lead them as Senate president. And it would be during this time that Salonga would craft the anti-plunder law. He would also cast the tie-breaking vote that ended the U.S.-Philippines Basis Treaty. September 16, 1991 may well be the day when we in this Senate found the soul, the true spirit of this nation because we mustered the courage and the will 
to declare the end of foreign military presence in the Philippines and help pave the way to lasting peace year and in the world. Blessed are the peacemakers. Our Lord said in his deathless sermon on the mount, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Therefore, I vote no to this treaty, and if it were only possible, I would vote 203 million times no. It would end American military presence in the country almost a hundred years after U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt declared Subic a military reservation. I also vote a resounding yes to the resolution of non-concurrence. Salamat po at mabuhay ang bansang Filipino. Thank you, Mr. What does a good public servant look like? In Jovito Salonga, we saw a man who lived by a code. To be a good elected leader meant to be a good Christian, which in turn influenced him to be a good patriot. Jovito Salonga was well-named. His life was filled with struggle, but he had something to hold on to. His faith and his belief in the Filipino people. And it was precisely his faith and his hardships that allowed him to understand his constituents and serve them well. Titles and positions do not mean that much to me anymore. What is really important is to be of genuine service to our people, with or without any position in government. He dared to act, and when the going got tough, he dared to go on. So for him, it was not so much a struggle as a journey, because when you look at the journey of St. James or any other journey, who says that it's happy? That was Palm Sunday when Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem to be crucified two days later. So the happiness is not in that these are gleeful times, it's that they are historic times. And I think we should be happy that we even live to see those days and be part of them. When you love your country so much, you're willing to give your life for your country. And your country doesn't take your life, and then your country goes to hell anyway. And you wonder if it was worth it, right? What keeps you going is faith. Faith. And for my dad, his faith was ultimately that God made all things right in due time. And that any contribution made by any one of his children would have been part of the whole consummation. Salonga died in 2016 after lingering illnesses. He was 95. You've been listening to Bago Ang Lahat, isang podcast ng Youth Leadership for Democracy, or youth 
which is a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development, powered by Puma Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Ventura. And I'm Ina Morales. Kung gusto niyo pang kilalanin si Senator Jovito Salonga, basahin niyo ang kanyang memoir, A Journey of Struggle and Hope. Marami pa siyang naisulat. Hanapin niyo lang online. This episode was written and produced by Trisha Aquino. With research from Macy Hoven, it was edited by Mark Casillian. The clip you heard of President Manuel Rojas was from an archive maintained by former communications undersecretary Manolo Quezon. More historical soundbites were from GovPH on YouTube. Subscribe to Bago Ang Lahat on Spotify or wherever you listen. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.